We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. It is Friday Eve. Woo! It's Friday night. Well, uh, uh, well, uh, well it ain't for me, Woo! baby. It's Friday night. <laughs> it's Friday. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. It's uh, a Friday for a certain individual in here, not myself, but that's okay because I'm happy to be in here on a Friday night. Uh, we're going to give you guys a little bit update on that in a minute because um, one of us is going off on an excellent adventure. So did Ted Cruz today, and we're going to talk about that, babies. We've got that to talk about. And what I, I, I'm watching some some footage today, and I'm thinking, what has gotten into CNN after that town hall? It's like they have decided to actually uh, do some uh, to have a journal, what's supposed to be a news reporting outfit, actually doing some reportage. We got to talk about that because I'm actually curious as to as to what's really going on with that. Why they suddenly decided to try to? I mean, they pushed back against Simone Sanders against. Kamala Harris and 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 others actually and in a way that made him it, I mean she was squirming in her seat like she had eaten way too much extra, extra spicy Popeyes if you, if you know what I mean <laughs> I'm in a mood can y'all tell yesterday was such a dark sad day for me that it was just it was really a struggle so I'm glad that I've got my sense of humor back because you know what and of course, I'm talking about the loss of the amazing incredible icon that was the Maharashti but. I read some articles today about how about his personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and one thing that we can know is that he's out of pain, and he's with our Lord, and he and he was able to look back on his life and realize uh, the amazing contribution that he had, and and to and to know that he was loved and that he loved, and so we've actually got a story about that to bring to you guys tonight. Got so much to talk about, but you know what? We we've got Brian Maloney back with us, but we're always gonna always want to make time for you. So the number is eight. 888- 888-344-1170. That's 888-344-1170. Keep those comments rolling right now on the Facebook live stream on The Answer San Diego. And uh, the man who takes your calls and does more for the show is the guy, tonight's his Friday, it's DJ Taterskins. Today I'm proud to announce one of the most important deals in the history of U.S. industries. My administration has reached a historic agreement with a great American DJ Taterskins. And even though President Trump is not in office, I am uh, right there alongside. And I really got thinking yesterday with the passing of Rush and like you, it, you know, affected me, I think, more than I thought it would when Mm -hmm. it, you know, when it hadn't happened yet. And it really 
puts things in perspective more so than ever that we have to stand up and we can't give up on this country and we have to continue to make sure that we do our best to get this country back to where it needs to be. Yeah. And I was I had to get up at the crack of dawn. I mean, actually, before the crack of dawn, I had to get up at 5 a.m. Do Newsmax this morning. And the topic was uh, and I didn't focus on it last night. I didn't want to focus on it. The uh, the articles, the amount of hate that was, uh, you know, all over, you know, the the airwaves yesterday from it was uh, unbelievable. From, it was absolutely incredible. And one of the things that I said, I talked I addressed it a little bit last night. I said that Rush was pro- they were proving Rush right in their hatred of him. One of the things I said today that I don't think I mentioned on last night's show was that that um, somebody pointed out on Newsmax that you know uh, Michelle Obama famously said, "When they go low, we go high." And I was asked to respond to that, and I said, "When has the left ever gone? When, when have they ever stayed high?" They have been low now for decades. That's what this PC bullying stick has been about. If you wanted to enforce existing immigration laws, you hated brown people. When is that going high? That's about as low as it gets, okay? I even quoted Lanny Davis, Hillary Clinton's longtime BFF, because you know what? This cancel culture is just now being called cancel culture, but it's actually been around for a while. And he said when the left went and came after him, because nobody is safe from it, he said when the left can't win the argument on its merits, it seeks to diminish the person with whom they disagree. Why now, do you think anything that happened with the election, they don't want to talk about it because they know what really happened? Well, they can't. They, they can't. What, what's happening right and the hate that they had for Rush is the same hate that they had for President Trump. It's the same thing because they were two. They were two birds of the same feather because. And, and what was that? It was a pro-America message, a message about individual liberty and individual responsibility that this country is. It's not about entitlements. It's about hard work. And we're going to address that a little bit with some clips from Larry Elder speaking before Congress. Congress on this reparations thing that this country was never designed to guarantee you any outcome. There's nothing that's going on with the left right now, and they can't win. Why they hated Rush so much is because they can't sell that honestly. They've got to try to they've got to try to characterize 75 million of us who believe that they've got to characterize us as white nationalist, white supremacist, misogynist, xenophobic, and, and Islamophobic. And it, when the reality is, is they really hate themselves because they can't win the argument. That's why they've got to do it. That's why they've got to demonize and try to personally and professionally destroy the opposition. And what I said today, and what y'all need to think about today as well is, they cannot wait to dance on your grave if you are a Trump supporter as much as they were dancing on Russia's grave. Um, shifting gears, because I, I don't want to spend the whole night tonight talking about Rush. We, we, you know, there, I've got a story for you later, and we'll, we'll continue to weave it through, because it's important. We've got to, we've got to continue pushing for, because they are, they are pushing. The left is, is hoping this is going to be an opportunity for them to, sh- to shut us all up. They haven't slowed down. No, they're not going to slow down. Uh, today, they had Ted Cruz in their sights. And the first thing that I saw about the Ted Cruz story was I saw French Laundry was tr- was trending. And what happened was Ted Cruz, they found out that Ted Cruz was in Cancun. And immediately they tried to characterize Ted Cruz taking a trip to uh, a vacation trip with his family in the middle of a snowstorm in Texas, a blizzard condition in which people are dying. They tried to characterize it as though it was the same thing as French Laundry. And I said, it is not even remotely analogous to French Laundry. The only way that Ted Cruz going on vacation with his family 
and the, the stories continued to evolve throughout the day. But the only way that it would be analogous would have been if Ted Cruz, as governor or president or whatever, had banned airline travel and then got him uh, to everybody else and then got himself on a plane. So but, it sounds like he's guilty for going on vacation with his family. Well, I mean, the optics were bad, but it's not the same thing as what Gavin Newsom did. Gavin Newsom, as a dictator specifically intentionally with purpose shut down restaurants that have destroyed entire chains of restaurants have been destroyed by the way from soup plantation and and beyond uh, you know local chains local businesses com- not coming back and they're not coming back completely destroyed and after he did that he kept his winery open, Plump Jack, and he went to French, French Laundry. That is not the same thing. Now, two things can coexist at the same time. I can make a good argument that what Ted Cruz did is not the same thing as what Gavin Newsom did, because one is about tyranny. One is about dictatorship, authoritarianism, totalitarianism, picurism, where you are intentionally... Through, through a seizure of power, destroying people's lives. Another is bad optics born out of self-centeredness and selfishness. I would suggest to you that one is far worse than the other. Ted Cruz is not responsible for plowing the streets. What's, it, what's he supposed to do? I think it was bad optics for him to go to Cancun. But, it, but he did not. His actions did not kill anybody like Gavin Newsom's did. His actions have not destroyed businesses and destroyed lives in, intentionally, which was what Gavin Newsom did. So it's not the same thing. However, the story ends up even getting worse. Uh, So Ted Cruz says at one point today, look, my daughters wanted to take a vacation. They're out of school right now. And I've got nieces that are out of school right now. And he's like, you know, with the weather, they wanted to get out of here. So I flew them down there. And now I'm, I'm coming back from Cancun. Well, that all sounds good. Okay, he's escorting them out. He's coming back. He's got his laptop. He, again, he's not plowing the streets. The, but then what happened was his airline, his airline published and leaked that he'd never intended to come back today, that he was coming back because of the, the bad optics. He tried to make it seem like he had always intended to fly them down there, to escort them down there and come right back. And that's not true. And then to make matters, think about that for a moment. You're not supposed to be able to get on the phone or, or in any way get online and, and get the itinerary of a passenger. That's supposed to be private information. United Airlines, according to, um, I can't see who tweeted this out today. I'll, get, I'll make sure I get the name of it. Uh, that you, uh, today, United Airlines shared the travel itinerary of Senator Cruz with members of the media and as a result, the public at large. His flight information is being included in, in, in tweets to and from mainstream media, uh, including CNN and Jim Acosta, and that itinerary included his family. Now, these are the same people I need to remind you. That that impeached President Trump because they accused him of trying to incite violence. Does this not put Ted Cruz and his family in in a scary security situation? This included his children and his family. Where's the FBI and the DOJ here? Should be right on it. It should they a United Airlines should be prosecuted. This is the kind of stuff that gets people killed. We, we in California had to pass a law because we, we had the DMV that was giving out people's home addresses. And we had that Rebecca, uh, that TV star from the 80s was shot at her home. This is no different. Yeah, this is no different. This is somebody's private information. United Airlines needs to be, needs to be fined and, 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 and investigated. 
It is not the same thing. I think Ted Cruz was he he's admitted tonight that he made a mistake doing it. Of course he did, um, because optics matter in politics. But to compare this to a governor who has destroyed people's lives intentionally by by taking actions is not the same thing as Ted Cruz being a dope and going off on vacation. And oh, by the way, let me remind everybody that it was Nancy Pelosi during the shutdowns that went to Hawaii and nobody complained about it. And shame on anybody for making that comparison. Exactly. We're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to bring in our buddy, buddy Brian Maloney, because I want to get his perspective and y'all's too. It may not seem like a big thing, but man, if you saw any of the clips going around, CNN and other outlets went after Simone Sanders. They went after Kamala Harris and would not let off of her until she gave them. And they even said at one point, I want a yes or no answer from you. Is it a requirement of teachers to be vaccinated before schools can reopen? Man, she didn't like that. What's up with CNN? Are we, do we now have reporting? Do, do we now have journalism back in journalism? Stay tuned. We're going to discuss it next. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. News, politics, and current events. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show, 888-344-1170. I already got a nominee for Stink of the Week. There's an article going around that says the mullet is back, baby. No. <laughs> Gavin Newsom's going to rock one. <laughs> you know who already is? Ted Cruz. Yeah, Google, it's kind of true. Yeah, he's he, with the little shave on the side. Listen, I've met Ted Cruz. I, I think he is a brilliant man, um, but he's a little off. I don't know. I don't know why. He's got some quirkiness to him. Mr. So Cruz, f- let's start with the haircut. So for somebody like that, yeah, I'll, I'll excuse it, you know, or maybe he's got a daughter to talk to him. But, you know, I'm just not. No, I'm not interested. And in, why can't we cancel the mullet? If we're going to have a, never a good culture, idea. we need to cancel the mullet. And I guarantee you, my next guest, Brian Maloney, I'm. I, Brian, please tell me that I, I'm never going to see you with a mullet. <laughs> uh, maybe when I was 14 for about a week, I might have tried that, but uh, <laughs> not for very long. No, no, you're you're safe. You're safe. <laughs> right, well, good. Okay. Um, yeah. So now Skins is 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 a texting me uh, somebody that we know who's got a who's got a mullet. Hopefully he's not listening. I'm glad I can laugh today because yesterday was such a tough day. Um, I wanted to get in get into the everybody's kind of talking today about CNN going after Simone Sanders and Kamala Harris and pointing out the inconsistencies and the the insanity of the communication from the Biden administration about the vaccine and I wanted to get your perspective on that. But before we do that, I, I hadn't had a chance to ask you about, about your thoughts on the loss of Rush Limbaugh. Well, I mean, I worked with Rush for many, many years uh, in a role that I was never able to previously disclose. And I've only been able to talk about it really today on the radio. And it's too long to talk about in this little segment here with too much else going on. But I will just say that off the air, he was a humble a uh, man with, with no ego, just a regular guy. Um, we have email exchanges. He was always a night owl. I'd hear from him at midnight, 1 a.m., um, and you'd just shoot the breeze with him like you would with anybody that was your friend. And that's just that's just who he was. He was very introverted, um, didn't like social settings, and certainly didn't like crowds, events. Um, he just, the man kept himself with most 
performers do. Mm -hmm. People on stage and film and talk shows, we all tend to be introverted at heart. And even though we show an extroverted side, it's a, it's a performance. And mm -hmm. maybe that's what attracts us to the field in the first place is the need to, to try to get that side out of us somehow. I think that there's something to that. And that was definitely him. But I'm telling you that, you know, the on-air bravado and all that, his, his viewpoints were always authentic. That's what he really believed. Mm -hmm. And by the way, the fake quotes that people put out there, you know, how can you support Rush when he said blah, 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 blah. It's like I said, you know, I stopped even responding to the fake quotes 20 years ago because right. they were proven fake then uh, and they're still circulating them now. And I just I give up. You know, right. you, you think he said that? I know he didn't. And when he did say something, and you know, who doesn't, when you're doing three hours of live radio a day, you're bound right. to say something that is going to be a little off at some point, because there's just no way you can avoid it. You're, you're a human. And even though his brain and his and his mouth were so in sync, and both working at the speed of light, you, you know, we're human beings, and, and we're all flawed. Right. And so and when he would say something that he realized afterwards that wasn't the best articulated comment for example, about Sandra Fleck, he owned it. He said, I'm sorry, I shouldn't well, have said did. it. You know, and, well, you know, but he only had to do that very few times. When you think of somebody who was behind the microphone for 30 years talking about incredibly, uh, you know, controversial topics, to think that there was only a few occasions, a few occasions in which he went, went a little bit off and had to apologize. Absolutely extraordinary. His humility was so obvious to me. His, humility, his, yes. his, his gratitude was he just oozed humility and gratitude to me. And it's something that, that I think think is very much lacking in our society. There's many people in media that, that didn't get into it because I, you're right on about the introverted thing. A lot of people don't really uh, understand the difference, what an introvert is. It, it's not the necessarily right. the same thing as shy. We don't recharge our batteries by talking to strangers and having a gab exactly. fest. We recharge right. our batteries by, and, and I do it back when I was in corporate sales. Friends of mine knew back when people had, had answering machines, they would say they knew I screened because after talking all day, I didn't want to talk anymore and my friends and family Absolutely understood it true but and there's in social settings many of us right. don't want to talk about politics if we're at a party oh. I don't, you know people who know me personally right you know like you never talk about politics it is not hilarious i mean you know for you to hear that or whatever Right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, he it was one of a kind. Too many are getting into media today for the glory, for the attention, yeah. uh, not because they have a passion for the industry or have a passion to send a message. But fortunately, his legacy will live on in terms of the fact that the infrastructure that he built in terms of conservative media um, will, will continue. Um, so speaking of media, uh, I was re I was really shocked when I saw some of the interviews that were going around that because I don't watch. Watch CNN. I don't watch MSNBC, right. so I didn't get to see these things in real time. But I mean, I, I can't remember who it was who nailed Kamala Harris to the wall, saying it's not, oh well. Let me be clear, which always means she's about to get really fuzzy, right, and really muddy. Right. We okay. we we maintain that teachers should be a priority, but does that mean that they have to be vaccinated as a requirement? We maintain they should be, and they wouldn't let her up on it. What is going on? Why, why is the media? And that well, was just one example. I mean, right. do we now yeah. actually? have news back or what what's going on well so i think a couple things number one i don't think the democrats ever wanted kamala harris 
in the first place. And that, and we know this because she was the first to drop out of the Democratic primaries before she was about to lose her home state of California. Um, she's not road tested at all, not vetted. Very few Americans know a thing about her unless you were from San Francisco politics, and then you know way too much about how vindictive that she is. But I think that the party, you know, I think that this was someone that actually Joe did pick on his own. I don't think they wanted her. So whoever they really want as president is someone else. And right now, by the way, um, you know, they're real happy talking through Joe's earpiece and they don't want to give up that gig. You know, you don't want to give up that power because you won't have that with Kamala. So that's, so there's a lot of, you know, see, here's the thing. Now that you have one party rule nationwide, basically, uh, now they start fighting each other and that's what we're seeing. So what you're seeing is factional fighting. The second thing about CNN is it what really is the purpose of CNN going forward? I mean, just propping up Joe with ice cream and Mario Kart uh, puff pieces isn't going to pull in the ratings they need to survive. Gotcha. And, we know, and now that you really, I mean, Trump comes out to talk once a month, that's not going to cut it for CNN. They were 24-7 Trump for about five years, and that's what got them to this point. Court cutting's killing them. They've had rounds of layoffs. Um, you know, I, I flew into Atlanta a couple months ago. My uh, Uber driver was a woman laid off from CNN. She's told me all these inside stories about working at CNN, you know, and they're driving Ubers now and, you know, around Atlanta. And I mean, that's what has happened is a brutal business. So they have to have a survival strategy. So maybe it is it also in part by by going this route. Like, hey, what else do we have? Because if you bore the audience to death uh, with fluff, you're dead. So you got to try a different tack. Well, yeah, you know, I'm, I was glad to see it. Um, I, I was wondering if it was because, you know, they are really wanting to, uh, I think you, you're, you and I might be kind of in the same area here when you say they didn't really like Kamala Harris to begin with. I think they're really wanting, uh, uh, they, they want control over the agenda and what's going on with this administration. And I, I think that um, the, it, as well as the fact that I think that it, the the media also wanted to prop up uh, Fauci and the CDC. And it was Fauci who said, school teachers, we can't have school teachers all have to be vaccinated first because we don't have enough vaccine to do that. And then it's just not it's not practical to do that. So I think CNN really wanted to continue to prop up Fauci and the CDC because that in, in and of itself also supports Biden because, you yeah. know, there were a lot of Americans that were questioning. You look at last 2020 and we had that the highest Fauci was the highest paid man in the United States government and he got absolutely nothing right. He lied to the American people over and over and over again. So I think CNN wanted to prop up Fauci and in the course of doing that in the CDC, they went after Kamala and Simone Sanders. Well, and why is Fauci the person who survives uh, one administration to the next? And that's because what he really is at the end of the day is a master uh, politician. He is a brilliant politician uh, and not a scientist. And that is the, the fundamental. And he also he plays ball with the media and he is completely loyal to them and will continue to be. And they know that they have an asset in Fauci. So I think and who knows how Harris has been treating the media so far. I mean, for, probably the same cold prickly thing that she did in San Francisco or in the U.S. Senate. So she may not be making the right friends in there. And like I said, I don't think they want her. They've got someone else in mind 
for when and I think Joe's decline is gonna be fast for me. I think propping him up is gonna be really, really hard for very long. I thought they would keep him I thought it was gonna be weekend at Bernie's, you know, for as long as possible. Uh, and uh, I don't know how long that's going to be realistic. Well, I think that I think that the, a little bit of it was damage control too, because Biden was a disaster in that town hall. Oh, the, yes. in, the inconsistency in the messaging were terrible. So I think CNN actually thought that going after them was actually doing them a bit of a favor because it forced them to get consistent. Jen Psaki had to come out today and say, "We are following the CDC guidelines. Teachers will Whoa. will not be required to take a, yeah. to, to get a vaccine." So the so CNN yeah. helped them in that moment. And the reason ultimately why they also needed to prop up Fauci and the CDC is because that f- props up uh, Gavin Newsom out here because those two are in lockstep with their insanity of the mask and the double masking right. now and the six foot distancing and all that because they don't have an answer for why Florida isn't doing any of that and has a lower hospitalization rate and lower death rate than California. So CNN and my, my, my you know, before everybody starts thinking they're actually going to get back to being a legitimate news outlet i think ultimately they wanted to prop up fauci and the cdc which is not about science it's about tyranny and control well and newsom has always been a major presidential contender for the democrats he's been created out of thin air to be such a person so and by the way jen also you know she was audio only today audio only Mm. and most of the people that were in on the stream gave up because she was so late for it so clearly there was an invasive kind of move there, too. So, you know, I mean, I would love to say we're going to see a lot more of this from CNN, but I think it's just going to be occasional, uh, you know, when it suits CNN. You still right. can't trust it as far as you can throw it. I've got to get your response to something that I thought here we've got. We've got citizens dying in Texas and whether or not you how much you want to attribute it to wind turbines or whatever. Americans are dying all across this country, suffering economically under the weight of these shutdowns. Now they're dying, you know, at no fault of their own because, you know, of the people in charge of the energy, you know, balls in it up. But but the House Democrats decided what was most important was to introduce a bill that bans, quote, twice impeached presidents from burial at Arlington National Cemetery and bars federal funds from going to buildings displaying their names or acknowledging their achievements. Right. This bill is called the No Glory for Hate Act. And you know what I thought about when I first heard it about this, Brian Maloney? I thought about my dad, the Marine, who was absolutely incensed that Jackie O, was buried at Arlington. He said to me, how in the world can that woman who never wore the military, never wore the uniform of the United States military, never sacrificed anything for this country, continue to prop up the lie that was Camelot? She gets to be buried at Arlington, but President Trump doesn't. I am absolutely outraged over this. I, you know, I, yeah, to me, what this bill shows is that everything in Congress right now is about being vindictive and petty and not caring one whit about Texas and and half the nation freezing and then the media targets Ted Cruz who by you know the optics of it were terrible I don't know why you went to Cancun but it was perfect for taking the entire spotlight off the fact that the Joe people have done nothing the White House has done nothing for Texas I mean there's some executive order or whatever that's a bunch of words that does nothing i mean where is the federal effort where's the national guard not there yeah no national well national guards guarding dc i mean (laughs) you know i I mean from what i don't know those 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 troops should be in texas helping people who are losing to death 30 30 people have already died so but you know cruz cruz did blow it 
but uh, you know he gave them cover. Yes. But why? Why doesn't the administration do something to help Texas? And I think it is. Uh, it's a, because it's a red state and it's punishment. I mean, that, yes. that, that is absolutely why that's going on. But they can't do that forever because no. it looks so bad at this point. It looks so obvious and so petty. But I tell you, they're going to introduce one petty bill too many like this, the one you're talking about. Um, and and it's going to just tip the country. I mean, you know, you're going to have states breaking away. I, really, yeah. I'm sorry. One, one little bill like this will be the straw that breaks the camel's back. You watch. Yes, I think you're absolutely right. You usually are, Brian Maloney. Thank you for being here. Tell Thank everybody uh, where they can find you. You already had your Facebook pages taken down. Well, right. Yes. No, we do. Have, uh, we're still on Facebook at uh, Red Wave America, and we're on MeWe uh, and uh, our SDS, which is too too long to explain what that stands for. But, uh, but we're still there, and takes longer to explain where we are these days. Just look for us on Facebook, Red right. Wave America. Well, thank you for being uh, here. Sure. Appreciate sure. you, Brian Maloney. All right, now, y'all stay tuned because Mr. Elder goes to Washington. we got to talk about our man. We're so proud of him, Larry Elder, before Congress today. And, man, he lit it up. Stay tuned. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And like her Facebook fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Andrea K. Telling you like it is. All while eating a donut, too. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. A story that's not getting that much coverage today, but is absolutely really crucial to this country going forward. You know, the Democrats talked about unity. Well, here's their idea of unity. According to uh, Representative Cory Bush today, there was a hearing uh, that had to do with the Democrats introducing uh, Bill H.R. 40. And according to Cory Bush, the government must account for its ongoing role in perpetuating, supporting and upholding white supremacy. Uh, According to H.R. 40's text, this will involve a commission. Uh, that will be created by the bill. There were 162 co-sponsors of this bill. And the commission would, quote, consider a national apology and proposal for reparations for the institution of slavery, its subsequent de jure and de facto racial and economic discrimination against African-Americans and the impact of those forces on living African-Americans to make recommendations to the Congress on appropriate remedies, yada, yada, yada. So this is where the Democrats plan to beat up on uh, other Americans of, and and I don't know how they're going to decide, because is everybody going to have to take an an Ancestry.com thing to to determine what percentage of us are African Americans? Because quite frankly, if you were to see me without sunscreen on, you know, uh, Little Brown Betty was one of my nicknames. I mean, how do you even define African American? How many many black people in this country have no, no family that ever lived on the continent of Africa? This is insane. But that aside, this is about punishing Americans. This is about systemic racism against people of a certain skin color to make them pay for something that they didn't have anything at all to do with. And thank God we have Larry Elder here on Salem. So we don't. Brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant today. I don't usually play. We don't usually play this long of a clip, but he was so brilliant. We may break it up at some point to, to make a comment on it. It's it's only five minutes, but we, we listened to it before the show, and we thought we know that that's a long time for radio audiences these days. We all Our, our t- attention spans are not like, but I want to play it in its entirety because you must hear him and his brilliance. 
I am the executive producer of a documentary that came out June 19 last year called Uncle Tom, an oral history of the black conservative. And as Congresswoman Lee pointed out, uh, black people are a race of overcomers. And it talks about the fact that despite all the problems that have been brought up in this committee about racism, about slavery, about Jim Crow, uh, black people have overcome to the point now where only 20% of black people are below the federally defined level of poverty. Still too high, but in 1940, that number was 87%. And 20 years later, that number had been reduced to 47%, a 40-point drop in 20 years. That is the greatest 20-year period of economic expansion for the history of black Americans. And notably, they came before uh, the Brown versus Board of Education decision. They came before uh, the civil rights uh, bills of 1964, 1965. Despite all of this racism, all of this prejudice, black people still overcame. I also find it ironic we're having this hearing 13 years after we elected and then reelected the first black president of the United States. I'm old school. I still get the newspapers thrown to my house. And the day that Obama got elected, I got the New York Times and the L.A. Times thrown to my home. And on the front pages of all those newspapers, there were colored pictures of black parents hugging their kids, crying, saying things like, now I can say for the first time truly that if you work hard, you can be anything you want to be. In 1997, Time Magazine and CNN did a broad survey of black teens and white teens and asked both of them whether or not racism was a major problem uh, in America. And both of them said yes, not too surprisingly. But then black teens were asked the following question. Is racism a big problem, a small problem, or no problem in your own daily life? 89% of black teens in 1997 said racism was a small problem or no problem in my own daily life. In fact, twice as many black teens as white teens said failure to take advantage of available opportunities is a bigger problem than racism. End of quote. And that, again, was 23 years ago before Obama got elected, let alone reelected. Speaking of Obama, 2007, he ran for presidency. His rival for the Democratic side was Hillary Clinton. And on the Republican side, the two rivals, primary rivals were John McCain and Mitt Romney. Gallup asked whether or not Americans would not vote for a black person referring to Obama, would not vote for a woman referring to Hillary Clinton, would not vote for a Mormon referring to Mitt Romney, would not vote for uh, a person as old as uh, John McCain would be, 72 years old. And what Gallup found is 5% of Americans said they would not under any circumstances vote for a black person. 11% said they would not under any circumstances vote for a female. 24% said they would not vote for a Mormon. 42% said they would not vote for a person who would be 72 years old when he became president, which would have been the case had John McCain been elected. In other words, Obama as a black person had a smaller barrier than these three white politicians. So having this conversation right now when racism has never been a less significant problem in America, to me, is mind boggling, right? Some amazing key points that we have to discuss there, uh, potato skins. Uh, what jumped out at me is 23 years ago, almost 90% of young people said failure to take advantage of opportunity opportunities in this country was a bigger issue for them than racism compared to, to, to today's. And what, what does that tell you? That tells you that the circumstances on the ground uh, uh, that was going on in this country today and all, uh, and all of this, these cries about racism are, are because it's been implanted in young people's mind. They can't accomplish anything because of white supremacy in this country. When the reality was 23 years ago that it wasn't, it wasn't an impediment to them.
And they knew that what they had to do was to, like Larry Elder will say a little bit later on, work hard. That's what uh, the opportunity in this country is all about. It's working hard, doing your very best, and picking yourself up by your bootstraps and getting it done. Absolutely. That's one of the things he talked about with the first black president. The people were crying on the newspapers because they were saying that it proved in this country that in the United States of America, if you were willing to work hard enough for it, you could achieve anything in this country, even as a black person. And that's what the American dream was founded on. It wasn't founded on taking for me to give taking money for me to give to somebody else i come from irish people my mama side were were native americans there was nobody in my background who ever owned a slave okay i don't owe anybody anything and this is absolutely outrageous. Another point that was critical was the, the polling back about uh, the presidential candidates. Only 5%, far more people. The biggest uh, impediment was age at 40. That In terms of would you vote, only uh, 5% said they would not vote for a black person. That means that 95% of Americans said that they would vote for a black person. That tells me we don't have a racism issue in this country anymore. This is manufactured. This is manufactured to divide us. This is about telling black people in this country that you can't achieve anything because of white people, that they're victims. They can't achieve anything because of this horrible group over here. And this is disgusting and it's abusive. How much longer do we have of Larry? Uh, Looks like we have about another two minutes. Perfect. Let's finish this out. Right now, Congress is 12 percent black, which is roughly the percentage of blacks in America. In 1964, Martin Luther King gave an interview to the BBC. And he said he was surprised at the changes that have taken place in America in recent years. And he believed that a black person could become president in 40 years time or maybe even less. That's roughly around the time when Obama became president. And Martin Luther King did not say, we will know when we've arrived at the promised land, when there's a black coach of Notre Dame, which has happened, when there is a black female who's the president of an Ivy League university, which has happened, when blacks are mayors of all the major cities in America, which has happened, when blacks are police chiefs of the major cities in America, when there are superintendents of schools of America or mayors of America, sometimes all three at the same time, he did not say that. He did not say when black people become millionaires and billionaires, which has happened. He did not say when black people become CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. He said when a black person becomes president, that's when we'll know we've reached a point where people are being evaluated based on the content of their character to the extent that it is reasonable to expect. And the idea that slavery built America is belied by the fact that at one time, Virginia was the most populous and wealthiest state in the Union, uh, but within a couple of generations, it had fallen behind states in the North because the South depended upon slavery, which impoverished the South relative to the North, which is primarily why the North won the election. No one could have had, or very few people could have had a life harder than my father. My father was 13 years old, born in 1915. He was kicked out of his house by his mother. Athens, Georgia, Jim Crow at the beginning of the Great Depression. The man walked down the street, did whatever he could. Ultimately, he became a Pullman porter on the trains, which was the largest private employer of blacks in those days. Traveled all the world, became a Marine, was one of the first black Marines, a a, uh, Montfort Court Marine. And my dad always told my brothers and me the following. 
Hard work wins. You get out of life what you put into it. You cannot control the outcome, but you are 100% in control of the effort. And before you complain about what other people did to you, go to the nearest mirror and say to yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? And my dad always told us this. No matter how hard you work, no matter how good you are, sooner or later, bad things will happen to you. How you respond to those bad things will tell your mother and me if we raised a man. And my father always said this about the Democrat Party. They want to give you something for nothing. And when you try and get something for nothing, you almost always end up getting nothing for something. Thank you very much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Thank you, Larry Elder. Wow. Let us summarize. Slavery did not build this country. It impoverished. The Democrat Party was behind that. The the overarching message is, is that... It's all about work ethic. If we had, and the Democrats specifically, he talks about his father at the end. It was the Democrats who specifically targeted the black family because they knew that that was the way to keep them to keep them down to keep them oppressed. Because he he's right when he talked about how they how they improved their communities even when uh, they still were before before the Civil Rights Act. What we really need, what every community needs regardless of color, color, is we need the family to remain intact. We need fathers in the homes. And we need them teaching the same message to their children that Larry Elder's father taught him. And it was about work ethic. That nobody owes you anything. You need to work hard. And if you've got some bad circumstance in your life or things aren't, didn't work out exactly work how you it. wanted it, yeah, look at, you, look at yourself in the mirror first and ask yourself, what you what what you brought to it accept responsibility and that's that's and this is really where the the uh the choice of america this is uh, make america great again was based upon the idea that the, this government doesn't owe you anything except opportunity and right now there is nobody there is complete equal opportunity if not greater opportunities for for black kids in this country than there are asian kids we know Harvard lost a lawsuit because they were discriminating against Asian kids in the in the admission process. Uh, the uh, Biden's administration dropped the lawsuit against Yale. We know that with, through affirmative action, there's greater opportunities now. It's all about work ethic. Thank you, Larry Elder. They're still going to go forward with this plan. The Democrats are. Can't let them go through with it without speaking our mind, though. Absolutely. We're going to we're going to continue speaking our minds on the other side of the break. Stay tuned. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K spelled K-A-Y-E. Andrea K, the donut queen of San Diego. It's the Andrea K show on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K. Show. I'm going to read from my friend Skins here. He says, balance of Trump. I take 1,776 servings of patriotism daily. Well said. Mic drop. Yeah, if only if only my balance in nature gave me 1,776 servings of fruits and veggies a day, man. I'd be like walking on water out of here. <laughs> hey, it helped me do good today because I got n- almost no sleep last night and I did Newsmax today, I did Gina's show today, Real America's Voice. And you're I awake. Mean, and look at me, I'm sitting upright, you know, <laughs> which Better not. Than Biden. I've got, what, yeah, yeah, right? And I'm like coherent. I'm like cogent. I can form a sentence. Go to balanceinnature.com, discount code health, 35% off. 
and free shipping right now. Who's your? You're not here tomorrow. I'm Who's not your here hero? Tomorrow. Hero of the week of the month of the year. Honestly, Rush Limbaugh. Thank you. God bless you for everything you did for this country. And thank you. Have a great day off tomorrow. Great weekend. Monday. We will see you Monday. And we're going to be here tomorrow night, Friday Funday, with Carrot Sticks. He's going to be back with us. Love you all.